Welcome to the Happy Saver podcast. I'm Ruth, a blogger on personal finance in New Zealand. And on this podcast, I tell the stories of Kiwis and their experiences with the money in their lives. You will hear helpful, relatable stories from Kiwis who are giving their tips and point of view on personal finance right here in New Zealand. Now, personal finance is indeed deeply personal. So with that being said, in this week's podcast, I spoke with Tracy, who I came upon via Instagram. Hamilton-based, she was on a debt repayment marathon trying to pay down $94,278 in consumer debt and was estimating it would take her 33 months. It all started because she was on the brink of bankruptcy and the suggestion was made that if she were to declare bankruptcy, then she needed to sell absolutely everything. And I mean everything. There was one item in particular that she was not willing to part with, and that became the tipping point to get out there and claw her way back to zero. By August 2019, when we spoke, she was down to $10,471.11 of debt, and the sprint to the finish line was on. She has worked her tail off in her day job and had taken up any and every side hustle that she could think of, and debt repayment had become her biggest expense, and the race was on to reduce it. She is one determined and focused lady. Before I get started, I just have a quick message from today's sponsor. I'm excited to have Hatch supporting today's episode because for the first time, they make investing in the US share markets easy and affordable for Kiwis. Hatch is Kiwi Wealth's digital investing platform. In fact, they are 100% Kiwi owned and operated by the Kiwi Group family who are committed to helping Kiwis be as wealthy as they should be. Now Kiwis can invest in the world's largest companies and brands. Whether you are new to investing or have a ton of experience, using Hatch you can now invest in the brands you know and love, whether that company has been around a long time like Microsoft or is looking to shape our future like Beyond Meat. With their low, fair and transparent fees, no minimum investment and the ability to buy a fraction of a share, you can buy and sell shares in the likes of Amazon, Tesla, Disney and Bluebird Bio and exchange-traded funds from fund managers like Vanguard and BlackRock. Plus, you can mix and match world-class investments to grow your wealth your way. So to easily invest in the largest share markets in the world, head to hatch.as forward slash the happy saver. When Tracy was just 18 years old, she was given the opportunity to open up her own company, which she took. She coached American-style cheerleading, of all things, and she worked with several different gyms in her region. She had many employees and hundreds of kids who wanted to enjoy this action-packed sport. She did this for six full-on years, and she said of this time that apart from the financial side of things that we will get into shortly, everything she did within the sport she was extremely proud of. But in 2016, when she would have been about 24, she had a medical diagnosis that gave her a huge fright. She had a tumour in her throat and it had made her think that it was time for a change. She didn't want to be doing her current job for the rest of her life and she decided it was time to shut the doors after six years and liquidate her assets. Except once everything was wrapped up, she understood for the very first time the consequences of an 18 to 24 year old being left to make all her own business decisions. Over six years, she had accumulated a total of $94,278 in consumer debt, much of it attracting about 20% in interest each month. So here she sat, aged about 24, closing down her business that she had poured herself into for six years. She had a huge debt 
a tumour in her throat and she was awaiting surgery. And to cap it all off, her boyfriend had just broken up with her and moved out. She said that mentally she was tattered, and who wouldn't be right? That's a lot to have on your plate. Her first thought was to consolidate her debts, but as she went around each bank looking for options, no one was willing to help her. She thought she was out of options, and because her debts were over $47,000, she began to look into declaring herself bankrupt. If you have no way that you can pay back the people, the organisations and the businesses that you owe money to, then this is one option, but it comes with huge strings attached and is in no way taking the easy way out. Entering bankruptcy means that the official assignee has control over everything you own and it means that they can sell those things to pay off your debts. This does not include things like your clothes and the household appliances, but it does include anything that is seen as a luxury. And much to Tracy's absolute horror, she was told that her beloved pet dog was actually seen as a luxury. As soon as she heard this, she went home, she looked at her beautiful pooch and decided that at this moment in time, this little dog was the only reason she was actually getting out of bed each morning. She took a deep breath and she said to herself, at this point in time, I don't know how, but I have to get out of this mess. I just have to. And it was in this moment that her journey to get herself out of debt began. No more looking for someone else to fix her problems. Yes, $94,000 is a lot of money, but paying it off is very achievable as a goal if you have time and the inclination to just try. Now, on hearing this, I was instantly a little sceptical that the official assignee could or would make you get rid of your dog. And I do wonder if they do get a lot of people thinking that their only option is to declare bankruptcy and that by appealing to their emotions, then they try to hit a trigger point that will get the person sitting in front of them to stand up and get themselves out of their own mess that they have created. And for Tracy, it was her dog. For someone else, it might be their car or their home. If that was the game they were playing, hitting her where it hurt, then good on them, because it really worked. And so began, on the 11th of December 2016, the long, hard road of backing herself, working only by herself, to get out of debt. And I'm also pleased to be able to tell you that the eventual outcome of her tumour is a good one. She was given the all clear, which I imagine was a great relief. So what did she do? Where did she begin? Well, she went to the library and she got some books out in an effort to learn about how to be better with money. And that was a good start. Her immediate priority was income. She had to get some money rolling in. So she went out and she got herself a full-time job working 7.30 to 4pm as an account manager for a large supply company. But why stop at one job when you've got a whole heap of hours in the day and a big debt to pay off? So she got a second job working 6pm to 12pm, three days a week, working as a cleaner in an office building. She said that the work was tedious, but it helped to pay the bills. That Christmas of 2016, she worked as a Christmas present wrapper, and there are a whole heap of other jobs she took on to earn a buck that I'll come to soon. By going to work, she stabilised that part of her life. With income coming in, she could start to breathe a bit and create a strategy for how and what debts to pay down first. She wrote down all of her debts and decided that the first order of business was to keep up with all the minimum payments that they each had. And she had quite the variety of debts. She had a car loan of $28,000. And the irony was that she actually paid cash for her car back in 2015. And it was her dream car, a BMW 335i twin turbo. But her business needed some money. So she refinanced her car to get that money. And then she went and spent it all. She had a student loan of $12,000 for the one year she spent at university after she had finished high school. She also had a personal loan from her family, who had helped her out when she had previously hit another rough patch. 
and there were also higher purchase items of an iPad and a computer. And she had eight credit cards and store cards. And that blew my mind, if I'm honest. How on earth did she end up with that many? Well, she said that she just kept applying for them and various banks and institutions just kept giving them to her. At 21 years old, she was approved for a $22,000 limit on it. And it went from there. They just kept offering her higher limits. And she kept saying, yes, please. And she fully admits that she made some stupid mistakes here and puts her hand up in accepting blame. But still, she feels that banks have a part to play in this and were irresponsible in their lending. She had unpaid debts on credit cards, all with a variety of interest rates, uh, with a Q card, a GEM visa, two cards with ASB, one was for her business expenses and one for personal use. She had cards with Westpac, BNZ, Flight Centre, and that one paid for a cheerleading trip to Hawaii, and also the warehouse, and she also had an overdraft with Kiwi Bank. And as she paid each one, she closed the account and chopped up the cards. ASB were her main bank and they were particularly unhelpful when in the first instance she went to them for help and advised her that she could begin to get out of debt. She phoned them and they put her through to their hardship team but they would not actually help her until she defaulted on a payment. This way they said she would show them that she was truly actually suffering hardship. It seems that they appear to operate an ambulance at the bottom of the cliff type of department at ASB. With all of her debts written down in order, of largest to smallest, she had been managing to keep making all these minimum payments in an effort, she said, to protect her credit rating, but barely. And remember that a credit rating shows your ability to handle debt. Tracy was a star at this, it seems, but it certainly should not be seen as a badge of honour to have a high credit score. It just means you have debt and that you are paying it off. With her bank being unhelpful, Tracy needed to work this out herself and to work out which debts to pay first and to try to decide what order she should attack them in. Much of what she read said to pay the higher interest rates debts first, uh, and this is often referred to as the avalanche method, and logic would dictate that this was a reasonable idea because they are incurring higher costs every single month and adding to the total debt. But one of those was $16,000 and she just knew in her heart that she would fall off the wagon and lose momentum because of the time it would take to clear these big ones. In her first month of debt paydown, she worked her butt off and she only made $1.53 over the minimum payments, which was actually quite soul-destroying. So she got in the mental and physical habit of just paying the minimum payments on everything, but paying extra on one specific debt at a time, starting not with the largest, but with the smallest debt, which was the iPad and the computer that she had on high purchase. Now this technique is called the snowball method. You start small and you gather momentum. She actually rang the company she had bought the computers through and negotiated sending both items back. She was not allowed to sell them because if she did sell them and then she defaulted on the payment, they would have nothing to repossess. But she was allowed to break her contract and pay off the remainder, which was $1,000. She lost out in this deal, but she just sucked it up and moved on. And that is what you have to do sometimes. Admit your mistakes, wear the cost, and just get on with it. Oh, and don't repeat that same mistake ever again. Personal finance is not just about math. It's all about behavior and emotion. Getting rid of smaller debts first gives you encouragement that you can do this. It's a mental game to a huge extent. Next order of business for Tracy was to move house. Within three weeks of making her decision to pay off the debt, she had moved from her three-bedroom house that she had all to herself since the exit of her partner into cheaper accommodation with flatmates and shared expenses, meaning she got her living costs down to about $150 a week for accommodation, water, power and what have you. 
and during this time she was selling everything that she could. In the first three months she made $4,000 from selling stuff she no longer needed and this got rid of almost two of her smallest debts. She would sell anything she could, even if it only made her five bucks. Heck, even if it only made her a dollar. Every single dollar she made would be a dollar off her debt. Her new colleagues were aware of her selling stuff and she even started selling some of their stuff that they were trying to get rid of and they just donated it to her. She was actually too embarrassed to tell them what she was up to and it was only later that she revealed why she was such an avid seller online and these colleagues of hers became a real encouragement and support to her from then on. Because she had owned a business, she actually knew how to budget already or one might argue otherwise here, so she started to apply that budgeting strategy to her personal life and she began to cut and slash as many expenses as she could. For example, she changed her phone contract and saved $50 a month. She could then put that $50 a month that she had just freed up towards another debt. She looked in detail at every single expense and saved wherever she could. In some instances, she managed to do some balance transfers to save on account fees and interest. Creating a budget takes time and you will be tweaking it for quite some time, so be patient and just keep refining it as you learn more as, and as your debts decrease. And maybe also just keep in mind that a balance transfer in order to consolidate your debts and get a lower interest rate only works if you then pay it off. I've heard it can be tempting to consolidate everything into one debt and then tell yourself, hey, it's not so bad, I've only got one debt, and then you can just head out and make a new mess for yourself. So be very careful. Over the last almost three years, she has picked up a number of other gigs in an effort to make a buck, and by December 2018, her debt finally came under $50,000. And how about that dream car of hers, that BMW? It just had to go too. She could not afford to buy it in the first place because of all the other debt she had already, and she certainly could not afford to own it now. But it turned into a bit of a nightmare before she was done with it. The problem with older European cars is that they may be cheaper to buy secondhand, but they are temperamental and they break down a lot, and when they do, they cost a lot more to fix. Everything is just always that bit more complicated on a car like this, and it's way more expensive to repair. So if you are thinking of buying a BMW, Tracy's advice to you is don't do it, and this purchase is hands down her greatest financial flop. Now I just chime in here by saying, avoid all older European cars. Now this car, she had dropped it off at a business who helps you sell your car, but within two hours they phoned and said that they had blown up the turbo, or rather they said that the turbo had blown itself up, and she had to pay to fix this. She paid to get this fixed at a cost of about $2,500, and she collected her car on a Monday. By Wednesday, it was back in the mechanics for more work. She decided to take it up to a big car fair in Auckland, but realised it needed a new warrant of fitness before it went which it failed, so there were more repair costs that she incurred. For four weeks it sat in Auckland with no buyers, so she collected it and brought it back home and put it on Trade Me. Finally, after trying to sell it for two and a half months, she sold it as is, where is, to a mechanic of all people. And I remember seeing it pop up on Instagram that she had sold the car and I was like, yes, she did it. Now, this person, he paid for it and collected it on Thursday and apparently he blew it up on Saturday. So she had paid $28,000 for this car in 2015 and she got 9500 when she sold it. Plus, don't forget, she had incurred thousands of dollars in repairs and also paid interest on the loan because she borrowed against it. So safe to say she was well and truly over that dream car of hers by then. Now it was when I was reading back over her Instagram posts while writing this up that I realised that she bought her current car, 
a 2010 Suzuki Swift for $5,500 before selling her BMW. To pay for it, she had cleaned out her entire savings to buy it, meaning that when the BMW crapped out, she had no money to fix it. Why? Well, this was going to be a temporary arrangement and the BMW would sell quickly. Except, of course, it didn't. So she learned a big lesson here, and when she realized the pickle she was in, she immediately set to hustling, selling as much on Trade Me as she possibly could to cover the mounting repair bills. And she did it. She pulled together the money she needed without resorting to using debt. She had calculated that her BMW was costing her $1,144 a month in petrol, insurance, rego, tires, and of course, servicing the loan. Her Suzuki Swift, by comparison, costs her $244 a month, and that is a significant saving right there and an excellent car choice for Tracy. Tracy has a lot of side work that she does. She does a lot of online surveys. Rewardia is one company that she works for. These surveys are tedious, but she says they have been worth it, and she has made at least $600 in various vouchers this year, and she mostly gets grocery vouchers because by doing so she takes care of a portion of her grocery bills, and once she is out of debt, she will continue to do this. She has also been working as a mystery shopper and has had about 30 mystery shops in the last two and a half years. Consumer Link, Creative Activation Junction, Hoed, which is spelled H-O-E-D, and Quality Shopper are the companies she has signed up with. She's not sure if it's worth it for the time you put in and what you get paid, but while on this journey, she reasons that everything that gives her money is worth it. She has also done some face-to-face market research panels, which she said has been interesting. For the last two months, she has been doing Uber Eats, which she finds is really worth it. When she gets home from work and after she has walked her dog, she turns on the app, showing that she is available. And when she gets a delivery, she jumps in her car, heads out to collect and deliver, and she is currently making between $200 and $400 a week. And out of this, she has to pay for fuel and tax on her Uber Eats income. And her Uber Eats delivery ties in with her Lime Scooters gig. After she's dropped off the food, she collects Lime Scooters on her way back, so is officially a Lime Scooter juicer. And she takes them home and charges them overnight and deploys them back out onto the streets on her way to work in the morning, which is genius. Working for these two companies comes at a cost as well. You have to be licensed, and for Uber, it's $120 a year, and for Lime Scooters, it's $160. But she says it's worth getting registered for the income she is managing to make. Last summer, she put a flyer out offering herself up as a dog walker, and she was charging $20 for half an hour to an hour, and earning about $150 per week. But she said that this only worked well in the summertime. She could often walk a couple of dogs at a time as well, which meant less time actually out walking. And besides the money, it's a great way to stay fit as well. Now, she's hosted speed dating events, just four in total, working in conjunction with someone else, where she made about $600 for each session. And our chat over the phone was actually arranged around a face painting gig that she had taken on. She has been a paid house sitter. Usually house sitters are free, but in this case, there were such a lot of pets that they paid her to care for them. And all the while, she has been working her full-time job, and that has evolved over the last two years as well. As you can tell, she is hungry for work, so when a promotion came up at work to move into a business development manager role, she jumped at it. But she didn't just say yes to the job, she negotiated a far better remuneration package for herself, something we all should be doing. 
There is a commission component to her job and this is where if she puts in the hard work, she can really start to make some serious money and she said she is constantly beating the sales target she has set and the amount of commission she can earn is uncapped. And to someone like Tracy, this is extremely motivating and if I were a sales manager, I would want her on my team for sure. Last year, she earned $95,000 and her extra jobs come on top of this and average about an additional $7,000 each year after taxes now putting her earning over $100,000 a year. Today, she is 27 years old and she has been hustling every opportunity she can to pay this debt off and at times she does hit the wall with the relentless pressure of it all. She said that there have been times when she has had a wee cry and wondered to herself, am I ever going to get there? The very week she and I spoke, which was in August, she had found out that the house she rents is going on the market and they all have to get out. Finding a new place and moving to it is not cheap and it's likely that her rent is going to increase as well. And at times like this she feels despair and thoughts of why the heck is this happening to me? But if you have not picked up on it already she is a really resilient person and she has developed tools of how not to end up down a rabbit hole and on the days when it's hard she does her very best not to look down but to instead look forward and keep moving in that direction that will get her to her goal just taking things one step at a time, one day at a time. Now, if and when this happens, I wonder if there was anyone that she can talk to about this journey about money. And get this, although I found her on Instagram and joined in with her journey, giving her a virtual high five when she sold her car and getting a laugh when she posts things like this quote, I need everyone to wish me luck. I have a meeting at the bank and if all goes well, I will be out of debt. I am so excited. I can barely put on my ski mask. Now, I got a good laugh out of that one, but the fact remains that for the first two years, apart from her mum, she didn't tell a soul about this debt repayment ordeal. Why not? Well, because she was embarrassed about the mess she had created, and finance is not something people like to talk about, hence me creating this very podcast. And she didn't want the pity of others. She wanted to do it by herself. But talking about it, as she does now on Instagram, her handle is debtfreediva.nz, by the way. Make sure you follow her. It has actually helped and motivated her to try to achieve her debt-free status faster. She gets a lot of encouragement that she was not expecting and it's put her in touch with other people out there in the same situation. And if they can do it, she can too. I'm always encouraging people to just start a conversation about money. You never know who is hiding in plain sight in your friend group who might be needing help to work a few things out or they might be well on their way to financial independence or already there and they can offer you support and encouragement to help you out. And if you can't find this person in the flesh, well, there are so many supportive, and that's the key, supportive people online who will give you virtual high fives when you succeed and encouragement when you stumble. Now, during our conversation, she mentioned she was doing a vision board with her life coach. Wait, 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 say what? I had to know how paying for a life coach fits in with the bare bones lifestyle she is currently on. And this is where everyone's journey out of debt is deeply personal to them and the decisions they make about what they are doing with their money will be important to them, but they'll be different to you and I. You know how I mentioned she is resilient? Well, for her, using a life coach is one of the tools she has to build her up and keep her moving forward. So I say to that, holy heck, if it's working, it seems like money well spent to me. Other necessities for her are her gym membership and the once a week visit her beloved dog has to a doggy daycare at $22 for the day. Throughout this journey, she has also saved up and paid cash for three weeks in Europe, a three-week sport trip 
to Thailand where she competed in a sporting event, plus trips to Melbourne and also to Sydney. She considers herself super frugal, but there are things that she will happily spend money on, even at the expense of slowing her up towards her end date for getting out of debt. She is more than willing to sacrifice, but she needs to live as well. And having a tumour reminds you of this, even though the outcome was fine, what if it had not been so? Tracy said that this is the great thing about a debt-free journey. It's your journey and you have to make it work for you. Otherwise, you'll fail. She thinks that the number one reason people don't stick to a budget is because they don't schedule in fun things. And if you are giving every single dollar a job to do, you can budget in a few fun things as well. Now, coming back to this life coach of hers, she saw on Tracy's vision board, Get Out of Debt, and she asked her, what was that all about? And Tracy told someone else for the very first time what she had been up to. Her coach was the one who told her that she should use Instagram to document her journey and find a supportive group of people. So 22 months into it in October 2018, and nearing the halfway mark of her debt, she put herself out there and opened an account. And her coach also mentioned a name that Tracy had never heard of before. She said, oh, you must be following the Dave Ramsey plan. Who? What? Tracy had no idea what she was talking about. So a year ago, she Googled him only to discover that she had in many ways been following his plan to get out of debt. I think that he would be the first to point out that a lot of his plan is just common sense and Tracy appears to have that in spades. She has decided to give her get out of debt plan a name of its own, uh, calling it the single girl swagger, as opposed to the Dave Ramsey baby steps. She had already worked out that for her, paying off the smallest debts first would work because each time she cleared one, it gave her a real boost and told her that she could do this. Now, Dave Ramsey calls this the debt snowball, but yeah, I'm liking the single girl swagger too. She got into the mental habit of paying one debt off at a time and the first debt to go was those computers I mentioned, next was the cue card, then the student loan, next the family loan, then the overdraft, next came the flight centre credit card, and on and on she went. She has still never listened to his free podcast, nor bought a book, too much of a cheapskate to buy it, she said. But she did learn from him the benefit of a starter emergency fund of $1,000. Prior to having this, there were some emergencies. Her phone died and the dog needed to go to the vet. But she was finding that when things did go wrong, she was taking money meant for debt and using that, which then put her a step or two behind that she then had to catch up on. So she swears by pet insurance, by the way. It's a $45 a month cost, but to her, it's well worth it. And I always hear Dave Ramsey mention this $1,000 emergency fund, but I do wonder if it's enough here in New Zealand. No, was her answer. She thinks that 1500 per person in the household would be a more comfortable amount, and I'd have to agree with that. Once all debt is cleared, the idea is to lift this amount up much, much higher. For example, personally, I keep at least four months of living expenses aside as cash in the bank at all times. But having just that small buffer there throughout a debt payoff journey is a really crucial insurance policy that will help you stay on track. She also uses sinking funds. Now, these are part of a running budget where you set a specific amount aside each week or month for a particular thing that you may not know the exact value of or that may not even occur. For example, a pet fund or a car fund or a holiday fund. But if and when it does occur, you have that money available for it. So a surprise event ceases to be surprising. At times, Tracy's funds grew too much, so she was able to siphon this off and put it towards her debt as well. Now, how about the one piece of advice, either good or bad, that her parents might have taught her about money? 
Tracy's youth actually sounded quite chaotic, with time spent living with her mother or her father, but also in and out of foster care, which, let's not sugarcoat this, that has to be tough on a young girl. She said that not a lot was taught and that her dad was pretty staunch with his money and at 10 years old she got her first job delivering newspapers because she had asked him for money to go to the movies and he held up his hands and he said, look, these hands of mine, they work hard so I can make money to spend. If you want to do stuff, you have to earn money for yourself. Her mother taught her the basics of budgeting at the age of 14 and she says she was not spoiled but supported when she was with her, but she wishes she had been taught a lot more growing up. Today, her mother is nothing but supportive, and she just wishes she could pay off Tracy's debts and just make them go away, but she supports her in other ways, as all mums do. She is financially stable herself now with a good career, and has taught Tracy that you have to be happy and don't get stuck doing something that you are not happy doing. Oh, and she bought Tracy some new pyjamas as hers were full of holes, and mums are great like that. And that made me wonder, if someone approached her today and offered to pay off her remaining debt, would she let them? Well, no. She said that she would feel cheated. She would say thanks for the offer, but I need to see this through. She is close and she just has to push to the end now. By now, she has some pretty ingrained financial habits. Gone are the twice-a-day $7 Starbucks coffees. Hello, cup of instant. Another habit, she said, is that she is OCD with her bank accounts, and if there are cents on her checking account balance, she will transfer this into her savings account, like 32 cents here, 60 cents there, and in September she transferred $17 of or 17 additional dollars towards debt using this strategy, and she does this every single morning without fail. She budgets for groceries and petrol and what have you, and she won't overspend her budget, she just won't. Full stop, she is paid monthly and she does her groceries weekly and it does not matter how good you are at budgeting, if there is a five-week month, it's hard but she sticks to her budget regardless and if there is money left in a budget category afterwards, then she siphons that off to debt repayment because these small amounts build up to large amounts over time. Her lowest bill ever for groceries was $12.78 for the week and it won't come as any surprise that she manages the flat accounts too. And another thing too, she never uses cash. She says she spends more if she ever has it. Plus, think of all the cents she is losing when they round things up. She keeps one single credit card with a maximum of $500 as a credit limit available. And you can bet your bottom dollar that she never pays a cent on this one and that she collects any rewards as meagre as they are here in New Zealand. Her routine every single morning is to make a cup of coffee, sit down and check her budget, move those cents across and then make her bed. It just keeps her focused and on track. She is so focused that apart from those planned and paid for with cash trips, she rarely buys things for herself. She does not go without, but it's just not a priority. So the most extravagant thing she has purchased for herself in the last 90 days was getting her hair cut and coloured at a cost of $220. For her, it's something that she needs and it makes her feel confident when she looks good. A night out for her is heading round to her friends for a potluck dinner or heading out for a cheap pizza or a two-for-one burger deal and she will only go out on the nights she knows that she can get a bargain. She said, to be honest, she has lost a few friends along the way because although her friends encourage her on her journey, some don't quite understand her intensity and it meant that invitations to nights out have had to be turned down because they just cost too much and after a while a lot of those invitations just dry up. They think she's amazing until they realise just how much she is willing to cut and sacrifice. 
Others have watched her progress and made some great changes to their own financial situations as a result, and this really makes her smile. I asked her if she could retain all of the knowledge that she has today and could go back to her 15-year-old self and start again, what would she do? She would never, ever, never, ever, ever have filled out the application form for her first credit card. She thinks they are the biggest money traps and that banks need to take some responsibility for giving them out to university students and to young people without giving them sound financial advice to go along with it. Friends were given them as part of their tertiary pack and they have never managed to get rid of them to this day. She also thinks that budgeting should be compulsory in schools and could easily be provided as an e-learning course and put in front of each student. And just on that, she is actually working on her own course at the moment, which I look forward to seeing released one day. And also further add to that, that I do know that there is a sorted in schools learning tool available for teachers to use in school. Now it's not compulsory but it has been developed and it's there and ready to use so do look for it if you're a teacher please and do share it with your kids. Some tools and resources she would recommend to you and I would be Dave Ramsey. She reckons and I agree that people could learn a lot from him. She also enjoyed following fellow Kiwi Brady on Instagram hashtag Kiwi Girl on a Budget and also hearing about her journey on my podcast. The book How to Be Smart With Your Money by Duncan Bannatyne still works for her. She found it on day one when she went to the library and still refers back to it. She reads a lot on Instagram because there is a huge debt-free community on there that you can follow and engage with. Two years into her journey by December 2018, she had paid off $46,000. She has knocked that same amount out in 2019, well, almost. She is so very close to the end now. Or the beginning, it depends which way you look at it. Her payoff date is predicted to be the 28th of November 2019, all going to plan. When we spoke, she had $10,471.11 remaining. By the time you listen to this, it may well be that she has a net worth of zero. And if so, this is a crowd going wild for you, Tracy, in celebration of your massive achievement. So what is next for Tracy? Well, the opposite of debt is savings and investments. So as soon as that last payment is done, the money she makes will remain in her bank account. So she is going to then start accumulating wealth and saving up for a house deposit. So that's her next goal. The irony is that she is going to get a mortgage and do it all over again. She has already been to a mortgage broker and got a solid idea of what this debt will look like and how much house she can afford. She already knows she will have flatmates to help her pay the mortgage and she will pay down her debt with the same intensity while interest rates are so low. And on this, I would just really encourage Tracy and anyone listening to this to borrow what you know you can easily service. Don't borrow what the bank tells you that you can service. If you have not worked it out by now, let's just be clear that the banking industry does not always have your best interests at heart. And if you can leave your KiwiSaver 100% intact, then do so. If you have not enjoyed being stone cold broke in your 20s, you are going to enjoy it even less in your 60s, 70s and beyond. So don't be tempted to raid your KiwiSaver now while telling yourself that you'll top it up later, because you won't. Banks and other Kiwis are putting a lot of pressure on at the moment, telling people to cash out KiwiSaver for a first home. But please consider this very carefully before you do it. Given her high income and phenomenal rate of saving, she will have a big deposit in no time at all. And her KiwiSaver balance of about $20,000 can be left intact, carrying out its function, which is saving for her retirement. You can do both at the same time. 
a first home is a starter home, so buy as cheaply as you possibly can and own it as fast as you can too. Phew, there's my two cents on that. Now, before I wrap up, I have another quick message from today's sponsor. Thanks again to Hatch for supporting the Happy Saver. Whether you are new to investing or an experienced investor, for the first time Hatch gives Kiwis easy and affordable access to the most recognisable companies via the US share markets. With no minimum investment, fair and transparent fees, they are 100% Kiwi owned and operated and they let you and I invest in the most exciting and recognisable companies in the world. So to easily invest in the largest share markets in the world, head to hatch.as forward slash the happy saver. Firstly, a massive thanks to Tracy for speaking with me. I've got a huge amount of respect for someone who owned up to the mess they created for themselves and then they paid up in full. Because when you borrow money and don't pay it back, you make an impact on other people's lives and businesses. So well done for not declaring bankruptcy and for clearing it up instead. It's taken almost three long years, but the finish line is now clearly in sight. And when you look back on this period of your life, it will seem like a blip on your radar, but one that you learned so much from. This payback started in December 2016, and she will have paid back a total of $94,278 in just under three years. She has really ramped things up in these final months, throwing everything she can at it and taking on every single paid gig that she can. Although her income has risen over her three-year journey, she has really made every single dollar and cent count. She must be the most surveyed woman in all of the country for the amount of market research that she has done. And it's $1 here, $2 there, but it all adds up over time. And she really credits these small savings as adding up to huge wins. And now money is a huge topic of conversation in her life. She talks about it with everyone now. And when she meets new people and tells them what she is up to, they encourage her and she offers advice if she is asked. Through Instagram, she has been sharing her journey and she also had the opportunity to speak to women at an event. And she said that we can sit around and talk about minimum wage and how hard it can be. We can learn to live with it or we can take what we have now and make it so much better. She has taken the bull by the horns and decided not to let her situation hold her back and has been hustling to improve her lot in life. And it's really worked. Working really, really hard really, really works. So that's all from me this week. I'll be back next week with another money journey of another Kiwi. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit subscribe and it will automatically update in your podcast app each time I release a new episode. If you want to get in touch, you can find me at thehappysaver.com and I would love it if you could leave me a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share this with your friends. These are the best ways that people can learn about my podcast and I would love it if you would talk more about money with your own friends and help me continue to help others be better with money. So until next time, happy saving. Happy saving.